Why do role players spend so much time talking about art? And what is the real value of art in a role playing game anyway? Should we be paying more attention to art? If you say the real life is up your days and you don't have time to play, well, midlife is the best time to start a new role playing phase. And you need a rescue, Chase coming at you with a rescue, a role play rescue. Chase gonna help my friend, let's sit down the My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers, and welcome back. Um, I hope you had a good break, and I wish you a happy new year as well. I find that the period of Christmas time, like all of the holidays really, gives me an opportunity to think, also gives me an opportunity to talk to some other people. And today, I've got a first of a series of interviews that I hope be able to share with you over the next few weeks this one's a guy who I really do respect and like and love and whose work has graced my table quite recently he's a guy who is fairly well known I would imagine in the RPG community especially if you're a creator before I go into the interview I just wanted to say I've had loads and loads of call-ins this week and I will get around to sharing them and responding to them in the podcast probably next episode um the reason is i just this you know interviews are long and i just feel like i want to kind of keep things as short as i can when i'm going over the 30 minute limit so bear with me um guys if you've called in i will come and respond to those call-ins in a future episode but for now let's get to the interview this is season five episode 11 James E. Shields is probably best known to the RPG community as J.E. Shields. That is, after all, his business name. He's an artist and has been drawing comic-style art for decades, especially RPG characters. He started role-playing in his early teens and became enamoured with the artwork of Ramon Perez in the pages of Rifts. Good taste. Since then, he has always wanted to work for the RPG industry, but never really drew professionally until he got into his early 30s. He's married and the father of two daughters and two sons. And he's also a Marine Corps veteran and the holder of a master's in Bible theology. Thank you for talking to us and welcome to the show, James. Thank you. I appreciate it. So first question, player or game master? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm early on in my... Uh, my role playing, um, I was primarily a player. Um, I uh, was introduced to role playing by my dad, uh, who mm-hmm. played it. I didn't really get to play it with him until much later in life, but uh, it got me interested. And uh, when I finally got the chance to some friends, um, I got my first introduction. I, I'm trying to remember if it was either Vampire or Ghost Rifts, um, but then uh, I quickly um, was introduced also to, to Marvel, uh, and uh, so those still remain, uh, well, the Vampire doesn't, but uh, those, those other two still remain the high top favorites, um, and it wouldn't be until uh, I had my own children uh, that I began to, to game master, and uh I feel like I'm to a point where I might enjoy that more. Um, I don't get to play play as much as as, as I would like. Um, uh-huh. uh, most of the time I do, it's uh, it's at conventions, and, uh, and when I go to conventions, I I know as an artist, it, it, there's an aspect of I should be there to uh, promote my work, but uh, I'm primarily there to play. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> always but, sounds like a good idea to me. Yes, yes. So uh, I still enjoy the, the the networking and all that, but uh, very much opportunity to play um, and try new systems, try new experiences that wouldn't be too locally. It seems locally, it's, it's just a very uh, focused niche. And yeah. uh, so, um, but as far as my kids go, uh, uh, I, I've enjoyed uh, game mastering for them, and I get kind of see their their excitement. 
So yes, I'm both. <laughs> okay, cool. What was your dad into? Uh, he was into D&D. &D, uh, uh -huh. And uh, he still has the very first miniature I ever made for him out of uh, a uh, penny and a stick of uh, hamster wood uh, and, uh, and a toothpick. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what type of monster it was, but it was like a little green block of wood with half a uh, half a toothpick glued glued into it. So, yeah, he said it was your first miniature. So, does that imply there were more? Uh, yeah, not a whole lot more, but uh, I, I made um, like a black ooze with some uh, hot glue, yeah, some other small time stuff. And it's a little bit of paint. On hero clicks, uh, but uh, to customize and create some uh, characters that I wanted, but uh, not a whole lot. It's not, uh, I, I enjoy illustrating more than I do miniatures. So. so, what do you most enjoy about role playing games? Um, I think the thing I most, most enjoy is the actual role playing aspect. Um, I was in theater in high school, and uh, the idea of getting to kind of Merge into a different character. I, I love. Uh, I'm. I am a tactical person, a strategy person, so I love some of the tactical aspects of things. And I get wrapped up in that. But the thing I enjoy most um, is is the role playing and taking on a different character. And so it was, it was interesting when uh, the last convention I went to. My dad, you know, he he was in uh, early Dungeons and Dragons, and and uh, kind of the mentality aspect. Uh, what I understand at that point was trying to uh, quote unquote solve um, the the dungeons and solve the puzzles and and uh, and that's what he loved and uh, and so there um, there were games that we played together at the convention that uh, uh, that he didn't enjoy but I was loving uh, because uh, uh, there was a Maybe another player I was just ripping off of with our relationship and, and, and just uh, the role playing stuff, and then uh, there are others that he enjoyed more than I did. So uh, it's interesting seeing people's different takes on things they enjoy role playing. But uh, long answer short is that I, I love taking on a different character and, and playing as them, mm, taking on different roles, and uh, you know, I guess personalities with that. Yes, and uh, especially if I, if I can work a. Uh, a different voice into it, then uh, then it becomes. Uh, my favorite was Joshua uh, Trotwood the Brave, and he was a he was a a gnome illusionist. Was anything but brave. Uh, <laughs> um, he uh, he he pawned himself off as a soothsayer, a seer of visions and dreams, and um, like all of his spell. There, I think there was only one spell he had that could do any damage. He could only do like a die four. And all the other spells he had was about either getting himself away from the danger or getting the, the bad guys away from him. And, uh, uh, and if, as they were adventuring, if he didn't like the look of like where they were going, like, oh, let me consult the fates. And use a little prestidigitation to make the fates say what he wants it to. He's like, oh, no, no, we should not go that way. And uh, the fates are saying we needed to go this way. This you know, much uh, safer looking path. <laughs> so, yeah. So I can see why you would be drawn in towards the sort of world of darkness. Um, <laughs> the role is there. Yeah, well, um, that was just the first uh, one of the first early ones that, that I played. I really never got to play any uh, much beyond that. Um, uh, but when I when I did play, uh, it was still some of those same roles. Like my very first one was a um, a uh, oh, Malkavian. Um, Ex New York taxi driver whose whose pet peeve was bad driving, yeah. And so uh, uh, he would he would collect everything he could. He's a pack rat. And anyway, I don't need to get, go into all that, but that's uh, yeah. Not a whole. I'm not not a huge fan of, of uh, Empire, but that may be more uh, just the limit how how little I've been able to play it since. So, so if you um. I had to say there was a sort of favorite game at the moment. What would that be? Oh, man. Let me see. Um, like, if you ask me what world, 100% uh, default always goes to Rifts. And, okay. uh, uh, just, I, I love that world. Um, the, 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 I don't, people call it, people, I did, I did a, a 
a uh, podcast on rifts and, and gonzo, and other people talk about rifts being gonzo, but I never saw it as gonzo. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, because it, it all made sense to me. Um, yeah. If you know, if you know the, the, the history of the world and everything that's going on, uh, it wasn't just throwing things together for the sake of throwing things together. Now, because of the, um, I think the flexibility there were the ability for people to do that, uh, but it all made sense, and, and so that never felt gonzo to me. But um, one of my fa- my favorite systems, uh, I really love games where the mechanics of the game flow well with the theme. Mm. Uh, and so uh, those really uh, allure me. Uh, like I loved, uh, I recently played uh, Dread with my kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, we played basically an alien scenario, uh, like aliens from the movie. Uh, and uh, ahead of time I had set up, uh, made the room a bit darker, uh, I set up a couple of screens, the heads, and little sci-fi little blips, and and some background ambient noises, and um, and my kids really haven't they know of aliens, but they haven't seen the movies, so that made it even better. Uh, they didn't know what to expect. And then, uh, recently, had I had played with miniatures for a while, but then uh, I switched with my kids um, to playing View of the Mind, and uh, that became much richer. But uh, so uh, with the dread, are you familiar with the game dread? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so you know you're you're aware of Jenga Tower and all that stuff. Uh, yep. And so so the uh, the mechanics of that game, there's not a whole lot of um, ability growths and, and such, but it really it really captures what what that theme is supposed to to feel. And so I, I love that aspect, and I even I had this little Halloween prop that was like, if I pressed the button, it, it was like a, a one of those power grid things. It would just do the whole electrical. <laughs> and uh, of course, that was great when they were uh, uh, exploring through the engineering room, trying to restore power to the ship. And and uh, uh, it, they didn't know it was there. I had it hidden under the couch. And so they're going through there and hit that button and you know, scraping and all that stuff. But I love that. Um, I, I, I really liked. Uh, Clink. I love the. Uh, I haven't I haven't had a chance to really really play that, but I love the mechanics of it tying to the world. Uh, with Clink, it's a uh, you're playing a drifter in some sort of as uh, some sort of uh, uh, western. It can be you know, horror, it can be sci-fi, uh, straight. Uh, it could be straight western, whatever. But you're playing drifters with um, uh, and you don't really establish your history. Uh, that gets established as you play, but everything you do is based off of off of coins. And so either you're going to flip a coin or you're going to spend a coin, and and, uh, and just uh, I love the tie of that Western uh, aspect to it. But anyway, um, so it's sort of theme and the mechanic uh, mechanisms of the game kind of coming together for you that makes it really important. Um, I'll say that I, I love that. I, I won't say that um, that that will necessarily make or break it. Me, um, but I, I love a variety of games. I love, um, like I'm, I'm working on my own and I won't get too much into it, uh, but uh, because I'm still not ready to share everything, but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess it's hard for me to tie down to okay, what's my, what's my absolute favorite system? Um, my uh, I, I still love Marvel, I love the simplicity, um, but uh. I guess it doesn't necessarily come down to a system. It's more of the the play of the table that's most important. Yeah, it sounds like you're very drawn to a specific kind of worlds and settings as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love superheroes. Uh, I love sci-fi. Uh, there's uh, oh, uh, going back to that whole th- thematic stuff. Uh, have you ever uh, you've heard of Good Society? Uh, no, it's a new one on me. Okay, so uh, Good Society is basically uh, if you could play in the world of Jane Austen. Okay. Uh, and uh, I know that doesn't that's, you know that doesn't resonate with a lot of people, but I know it resonates with, with with others. And I'm not a huge Jane Austen fan, but I love the way that they have in 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 that game really captured 
the feel of being in that world because you mm-hmm. you play and uh, everybody plays their main character. They also play a secondary character who can influence the lives of other players. And uh, you have you go through I don't know what they're called, uh, but you're uh, basically phases, and one of them is an epistolatory phase in which you are uh, quote unquote writing a letter to uh, another player. Now you don't have to sit down and write the letter, but but you're, it's an opportunity for you to kind of write to the player and introduce stuff in their life. You know, oh, you, know, you, you can no longer stay where you are at because you are now promised uh, an, an, an engagement to so and so. You know, whatever you want to, you uh, want to do to uh, muddle, uh, meddle with people's lives. So. Yeah, it sounds like you like riffing off other players. You know, like you've spoken a little bit about that. Definitely that interaction. Yes. Yes. When you played Rift, did you play Rifts or did you use the world uh, w- without Palladium's home system? Uh, I've done a bit of both. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say I, 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 primarily it's been Rifts world. Um, and uh, what I have played under someone else who's who kind of simplified it a little bit more. Um, I did back the uh, the Savage Worlds version, but I never got into Savage Worlds, and I was a little disheartened by some of the by the artwork in the new one. And, uh, hmm. uh, and I don't want to take away from the artists who worked on it, but uh, uh, the original riffs really came alive to me from the artwork. Um, now it was the world; the world was very dynamic, but the, the artwork was also very key to me, uh, uh, like John Zelesnik's covers. Uh, Mm. And John Zelesnik's still doing art. I mean, he did a large number of those illustrations, those cover illustrations, and wasn't invited on. And not that they had to necessarily. Uh, and then uh, uh, Ramon Perez's work on the interiors uh, just uh, just I mean, uh, his work still influences me. Uh, I, I love the, his heavy blacks and some of those cross-hatching little detail stuff. Is there any particular image that's very memorable for you? Like that, maybe that first kind of wow moment. Oh man, there's a bunch. Uh, so the grackle tooth um, uh, in set uh, uh, of New West or or Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite settings or or, or books rather. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the uh, uh, the bandit illustrations uh, from from those uh, from those games. Uh, I I I. I, I Sorry, naming off all the different ones that still uh, stick in my head. Uh, I think I still had one right next to me. But, but yeah, um, yeah um, the, the illustrations. Uh, but to get back to your, <laughs> to your original question, um, I, I, since Rifts was one of my first games to learn, I didn't know any better. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> apparently I'm not supposed to like their system. Uh, so <laughs> I've been told that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, I'll go back to you know, basically uh, to this is that uh, it's not about the system. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'm I'm hooked on riffs. I have to say, I'm I'm hooked on it, and um, also I've played in fantasy world, you know, and um, I've heard all sorts of criticism of uh, of the Palladium stuff, but. It's the artwork and the evocative writing, really, for me. Now, I'm not saying that someone, you know, the system can't get in the way. It certainly can. Um, mm. But because I was introduced to it and, and, the, and the person uh, running it knew it well and ran it, ran it quickly, um, or relatively, um, I never felt like it got in the way. Um, yeah. So, Yeah, I found it harder going back to it. I remember playing in the 80s. Um, you know, as a kid and lapping it up and loving it and never really had a problem with it. Found it relatively simple compared to other things like Rollmaster. Um, <laughs> but um, actually, you know, coming back to it like sort of 30 years later or whatever, I, I, I kind of wrestle a little bit, I suppose, get my head around it again. But um, yeah. I love the setting. I really want to play in those worlds, you know. Yes, They're yes. Just beautiful. Yes. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I do, uh, I will say that I've never game, okay, I've, I've attempted the game master uh, but because I don't have uh, it's, the system itself is not simple enough for me to game master. Mm. Um, I, I think that 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 gets in the way. Uh, so I would like it to be simpler to run. Uh, and I, yeah. I have a little pet project I would love to I'd love to do uh, uh, 
rifts in a simpler system that I like. Uh, and I don't know mm. how the doors are done, and I don't know the whole licensing stuff. But it's just a, if I if, if I could, I would. And I've got I got I got have something I would like to do. And if I have to do an homage, like I think I can see myself doing an homage project. So. Yeah, well, I guess we can do what we like around our own tables, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm an artist. I can, you know, and I, I love tinkering with with mechanics. And I've been I've been doing that for quite a while. Um, but um, since I, I primarily, uh, as far as uh, industry stuff goes, since I'm a primarily an artist, that's where the majority of my time goes. But I've got got yeah. mechanics uh, and a system I've been working on that will be will be fun to to kind of port. Um, the Rift's world into that or convert. Uh, so, tell us, what's it like to draw for role playing games? Huh? How, you know how that works. Uh, yeah, I've talked about it uh, multiple, <laughs> multiple times. Um, so, I'll say this: that um, as an artist, it's not the most lucrative thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, um, because it's a hobby industry and. Uh, most of the people I work with are doing this as either a hobby or as independents, and uh, mm. uh, I'm not I'm not trying to, to become the best illustrator in the world. I'm not trying to um, I'm not even trying to work for Wizards of the Coast. Would I would I like to have my you know have their name in my uh, you know my resume? Yeah, sure, you know whatever. Um, but uh, I love illustrating for independents. Hobby creators, because you know, say if I was to go work for Wizards of the Coast, or say if I was going to go and work for, um, say even uh, do a Shadowrun project, well, those worlds have pretty much already been established, uh, hmm. and uh, so I'm all, you know I'm I'm only illustrating what's already been illustrated. I'm only designing and creating what's already been designed and created. Uh, but when I get to illustrate for someone um, who is just imagining. Uh, a new world or a new race or a new monster, uh, then I get to breathe life, uh, uh, birth life into into this and, and make it make it a reality. And I, I love uh, I love breaking cliches because uh, uh, some some creators will, will have an idea, and because they're not a, an artist or you know uh, they don't have they have a they have a feeling they want to go for, uh, but they only they only know what they've seen. Um, and so I like to be able to take the idea that they want and, and giving it up a, a different spin or, or giving it a, a life that they wouldn't have um, maybe imagined otherwise. So uh, I like being a bit bigger fish in a smaller pond. Um, uh, <laughs> and, and this is the type of illustration, you know, these are the type of illustrations I, I, that I love. Um, this is the type of stuff I love to do uh, as far as illustrations go, uh, as far as this industry goes. You know, I have a I have a degree in computer animation, and uh, I got a, I started uh, my first real art job was working for a computer game industry, making skins for race cars mm-hmm. uh, for drag racing games, and uh, um, you know that wasn't all that much fun. Because really. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not drag racing, and uh, the most fun I had was when I got to create weird skins. Uh, yeah, I create something new and sort of the, the plain stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I, a long way of saying uh, I love creating for independent people, making making new things come to life, primarily characters and, and creatures. Uh, uh, I, I create backgrounds because sometimes they're necessary. Uh, <laughs> so. yeah. It sounds like you, you really sort of like to take someone's idea and develop it. Yes. Is that fair? Yes, definitely. Um, Work. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, I got lots of favorite people I've worked for, but uh, one of the, one of the ones that uh, I've been able to do a lot of work for, you know, was uh, uh, Mickey Barfield. Thank you, my memory uh-huh. <laughs> uh, of uh, the Polyhedral Knights. Um, he's been a great person to work with because he'll come to me with an idea of what he's uh, of what he's kind of shooting for, but but because I, I kind of think the way that. I guess we synced mentally because uh, he's given me just like one sentence, like um, descriptions, and I'm able to nail it uh, for him. Uh, uh, pretty much the, the first go around, and 
Yeah, I remember when you um, when you and I started doing some stuff on those artifacts I was, I've uh, commissioned. Uh, you were, you know, you seemed to be quite keen on a brief, you know, being brief, you know, a line or two. Um, yes. Which I, I thought as a, you know, as a writer, I appreciated actually um, <laughs> you know, tr- being forced to keep it to a sentence and say what do you what do you want, you know, um, is great. But I also found it fascinating to see the process that you go through in terms of taking that, interpreting that, and then you know working something up that was perhaps not exactly what um, I expected. Um, it sounds like that's the process you enjoy. Yes, um, I, I've had clients who give who give me a wall of text, and that uh. wall of text feels so defining. Uh, it feels very limiting. In um, uh, uh, so I've done my I've done Patreon. I've done my Kickstarter's where where I, I say you know hey I'm going to draw what you want, and uh, uh, and over time I've I've, uh, I've kind of sometimes shifted that I'm going to draw I'm going to draw some things that are given to me through the ideas and um, uh, I'm going to take what inspires me. And rarely have I ever seen a, a wall of text that inspired me uh, because, <laughs> because it was trying to do my job. It was trying to paint the picture for me instead of uh, allowing me to, uh, to paint it. So, but I, I know some people, I know some people need that. I, I know that some artists need that, but you know, I'm not one of them. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, again, as a writer, I think um, there's there's a discipline to fewer words, isn't there? And um, oh yes, <laughs> and I guess you must know about that in art as well. There's a you know discipline to to what you put on the page. Well, you know, uh, when, I, when I resonated with that, the discipline of fewer words, uh, and I've done some writing myself, uh, just not for my own personal RPG that I'm working on, and. Uh, I know that there have been there are writers who can just pour out words, and they've been successful writers. Um, but for design designing a system, I feel um, that being verbose actually detracts from it. And uh, and so I've been trying to be as succinct in explaining the system and again and how the rules work as I can. Uh, mm. And so I, I understand the the discipline in fewer words. Uh, uh, and also just uh, in reading uh, some works um, if they get they get too elaborate and, and they can't paint pictures with fewer words you get, you can get lost in what they're even trying to say what do you think art adds to the experience of role playing then um, there, there, there are two sides to it and uh First side is I'll dress, and it's, it's part of why I do what I do. Um, there are plenty of great writers who never get the chance because people won't pick up their work because it either doesn't have art or has poor art. And uh, and so the reason I've done my Patreon, I've done, I've done Kickstarter, the reason I, I do I make stock art available uh, is, is because uh, I recognize I have the ability to, to make decent, decent artwork and... Uh, and I, I can do it, uh, approach it in ways that make it more affordable, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so that some of these artists can, uh, these writers can, uh, can do what they want to do and do what they love, um, and kind of be seen. Uh, actually, I, I received a great email um, just this last month from someone who basically said that uh, that me offering my stock art and me offering my Patreon and Kickstarters um, saved his, uh, his, his, his job, I guess, I guess job, his company, um, yeah. because he had he's an independent creator and uh, uh, he had decided uh, with his family that he was going to venture into this you know, and had, had gone full-time into uh, in creating games and uh, not long after that, his mother-in-law uh, fell ill with cancer, if I remember that correctly. And so all of his savings had to be basically get, uh, everything that was going to be going into his company had to be diverted uh, to take care of his mother-in-law for, uh, mm. for a number of, well, I feel like it was a couple of years. But because uh, I had a very 
affordable way to uh, for him to just keep racking in illustrations and such. Should, uh, he could still do what he wanted to do, and, and uh, so it, it was it was it was uh, it was nice to hear that the th- thing I was attempting to do uh, was actually working. So uh, so that that's the first part. Uh, <laughs> a long way of saying that that the the, the importance of artwork is to get it into people's hands. Uh, the second thing is I feel like the artwork uh, makes the world come alive. The uh, the other thing is that uh, it brings us to life. We're talking about rifts, and um, uh, rifts could have tried to explain their world uh, without art, but it would have been lost. Um, the, the art brings the world to life. The characters to life in the, and that's, that was big for me is, you know, I could, I can read a character's text, their name, their, uh, their stats, their abilities and such. But, um, when, when people look through the book and say, I want to play that, they don't even know what the stats are. They don't even know it, but they want to be that. And that's, uh, and that's what I strive to do. So I know you do a lot of, um, commission work for players to have their characters or portrait. Um, why do you think players should commission a portrait of their character? Um, actually, I've done I've done a couple uh, uh, player commissions. Primarily, most of my, my commissions are are from independent creators, uh, mm-hmm. from, from game developers. Um, I you know you know what I'll I'll, I'll say what what was in my mind. Um, I personally feel like most players don't need to. Right. Most players have their character in their mind. They know their character. They, they, they have how that character acts and interacts. Uh, but there are those who love their character so much that they want to keep him uh, in memory. They want they want to see uh, it come to life because they can have an idea in their head of what it looks like. Uh, but they want they want it, they want something more concrete. And uh, for those players. Um, uh, that, you know, that's one reason why. To another reason uh, is to uh, to capture to uh, capture the uh, the experience as as a party. Um, you know, if if a group of of, of players have been playing the same characters uh, for a year or more, um, then there's a, that's a lot of shared experience. And I, I view I view role playing games as a as a as an exclusive video exclusive movie, movie that only they get to experience um, and so to have uh, that uh, 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 something to commemorate all, all those uh, or even maybe, maybe even some of their favorite memories yeah so the key memories and um, yeah the character you love the most I suppose yeah. can um, do you think like there's there's anything that regular gamers can kind of do to make the most of art uh, in their you know the table so that's an area I struggle with um, because I, I see artists who have projects that do tremendously well uh, because they're geared towards players. And from the very beginning, I wasn't gearing myself towards players, and that's probably a detriment <laughs> financially. Uh, uh, but my, my goal wasn't to, to gear towards players, but uh, and so you know, that's an area. That's why I struggle in that area. But if I was to say, you know, what can they do? Um, how can they best utilize art? Um, people use art to to bring things to life, and so you've definitely got the, um, the people who are into paper miniatures um, or even you know, 3D miniatures. You, know, you can bring that. Um, game masters. Um, I love it when a game master can can show me the character I'm interacting with. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to just you know random person that, who still looks like looks like my game master. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my my first game master was uh, was very uh, very often uh, pull out like, the comic book and say yeah this is the person you're talking to uh, this mm-hmm. yeah this is so and so you know especially if they they knew which uh, which comic book character you had a crush on and and wanted you to to uh, Get interested in the potential love interest, uh, if you pull an illustration out, uh, or you know, uh, if you want to create that that iconic "oh no" uh, scenario of uh, you know, just you know, bring out that same picture. Uh, not not just simply say you know, 
so and so shows up, but simply pull out that picture and you know and suddenly this. Um, well, pictures do do speak a lot more than words can uh, at times. Mm. So um, that's how I would say utilize it. Uh, also, if you're looking to to uh, to capture a certain feel, uh, and so when I talk about artwork, uh, it's not necessarily always my artwork. So um, if you have, if you say, if you're playing in playing in rifts uh, or, or any 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 very particular setting where there's a uh, an environment and an aspect that you know like there's a reason why movies have colors and hues and, and so forth mm. but, um, so if you're trying to duplicate a certain feel of an environment um, using using pictures and, and colors um, in, in addition to you describing the smells and sounds uh, uh, would be a reason uh, another way to but I'm, I'm, I might shoot myself in the foot here. Um, I, I'm a big, uh, pro, uh, big supporter of theater of the mind. And there's not a whole lot of artwork in the mind aside, aside from what you create. And I think that that's the beauty of it. My my aspect of it is uh, is to help make the where, where where I approach is to help make the the setting, the characters have a have a have a picture, have a uh, have something you can you can capture, but then all the experience you go through, the role playing is something that uh, for me is more of the mind. It sounds to me like you would like to, um, I don't know, democratize uh, creativity a little bit within the sort of independent gaming creator kind of sphere. Uh, am I getting that right? Um, I feel like um, you may be hitting on something, um, but I want to I make sure I understand um understand what you're saying okay uh so explain what you mean by democratize it i don't know it sounds like you want to make it a bit easier for people to create um but also i mean i look at your projects i mean i'm thinking about the the projects where you did a number of different um characters and loads of ways in which you could kind of customize the particular image you were using yeah that drop that weapon on there and that bit of armor on there and you know have a different head have a different stance that kind of stuff um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, yeah. it seems to me that it's about kind of giving um, creators uh, a, a kind of a way in, you know, um, and perhaps therefore make it easier to begin. I don't know. Yes, uh, that, that makes sense. Yes, definitely. That that is um, uh, what I would like to do. My 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 whole passion uh, and what I want to do through my art. It is to enable uh, people who want to create to create and, and just provide um, the tools that they need. Uh, some people don't feel like they need art. Uh, I kind of do, especially when, when talk, talking about role playing. Um, mm. You know, my, my, my dream project, my ideal project would be just to create art and uh, kind of a when no one has to worry about paying me and I just create art for them, especially creators who can't afford money, uh, they can't afford artwork, but um, it kind of makes it hard for me to provide for my family <laughs> to just <laughs> create for free. Uh, that's kind of why I do like my Patreon um, uh, where uh, I've been, you know, I create artwork uh, and, uh, I try weekly to, to just kind of, get, kind of give some of it, some of it away. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the thing I dislike about uh, I keep shooting myself with the foot on this, but the thing I dislike is uh, that's just it does not it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of agency in stock art. You get what you get, um, yeah. and uh, and so that's why I like people to submit their ideas. Uh, and I'm trying still trying to find the right balance because, um, like I mentioned earlier, if you give me a, a you know, a, a wall of text. I'm not going to be inspired by it. Uh, and I, I love to create images that people are inspired to write from. And uh, hmm. uh, I guess that makes it a little bit more difficult when, uh, if I'm trying to get an agency to create the world they want to create, if they have something in mind, but then I'm only creating illustrations to inspire. So I'm trying to find that right balance. And that's why, uh, with you know, with, with both my, my Patreon and my Kickstarters, I allow people to submit ideas 
Um, and I've gone back and forth between just taking what inspires me and, uh, and, and, uh, letting them vote on which illustrations, like in this last Kickstarter I did, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll pause here and say that, um, we have an awesome community, um, that, uh, that, that will really come together. My, my, uh, my previous Kickstarter, just the community just overwhelmingly, uh, came together, uh, to make it happen. And then this, this recent one, uh, yeah, part of it was my fault. I, I launched during December, uh, and, uh, uh, and there was some initial interest, but then it just, it just plateaued, um, uh, for two weeks and it just it plateaued up until two days before. And, uh, we were, you know, I was a lower than, than halfway to my $3,000 goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in just two days, uh, just the, the support came in and, and just, it was, if you look at, if you look at the chart of it, it goes up a little plateaus, just flatline all the way across and suddenly <laughs> spike. Oh, oh, there's the goal. Okay. You know, beeline it straight to the, to the goal. And, uh, mm-hmm. they even went above that. So, uh, I said, I got, I did got distracted. Uh, what was the initial question? Uh, I've forgotten as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's all going to think, you know, uh, it's this thing about like, were you trying to, are you trying to make it easier for creators? And it sounds like you are at the same time trying to be a creator yourself, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, I remember um, I was talking about my Patreon and, and uh, uh, this last Kickstarter uh, I did, uh, uh, I wanted to do monsters uh, A to Z and so 26 monsters. And so what, to do is submit all their all the monsters. I let them submit one monster per per letter, and I've got over over eighty backers. I know for sure, and uh, so they get you know that's like easily been like eighty letters per <laughs> eighty monsters per letter uh, that then then have to vote vote uh, vote on. So uh, I kind of whittled, whittled, whittled them down a little bit, and uh, and then gave them about five to six of the things that that. I, that kind of inspired me. Uh, that uh, that I'd also be be willing to illustrate. That I also felt like the community would want. And so, I've been doing this for quite a while, but I still feel like I'm trying to trying to learn uh, how to write this monster. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling that that's part of the beast of creativity. You know, this yeah. we never quite arrive, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, the way, the way you just said it reminded me of, of kind of my, my mentality and my, my kind of what I've discovered um, so when, when we're younger we look a bit we look up to people who are creating we're looking at people who are professional um, and we hold, hold them up on this this pedestal mm-hmm. and the older I get I realize nobody knows what they're doing uh, <laughs> it's just they 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 know uh, they had a little bit more experience than, than, than we did when we first looked up to them uh, and so there's this, this is people riding waves and you, you look to those who, who've written it uh, a little bit longer, who've been able to stay up a little bit, you know, stay up a little bit longer. And, you know, uh, so yeah, uh, just ride, just riding this and, and learning it, loving, loving the process. Is there a lot of emotion in, in artwork? I know there's a writer, you know, I get very invested in my writing. Is it the same emotionally for you as a, as a, you know, illustrator? Man, um, so I feel like that's that's gonna is, is, this is gonna be true even for writing is that there there are times when uh, you're like you're just ready to be done with this thing, uh, <laughs> or, or <laughs> if the project itself is not something that you're all that excited about, um, that that there's not gonna be really any real emotion uh, behind. And I've had some illustrations that I've done like eh, like some I've done and I didn't like the result. And uh, I haven't even offered as a, a stock art because uh, I'm like, oh, I don't, even, I don't know that I even want that in the world anymore. Uh, <laughs> but most of my emotion um, will come when either during the process, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely hugely emotionally invested in my illustrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I love what they. I, lo- I love when I'm working on the project and I can step back and admire even even in the unfinished uh, 
a piece and be like, this is awesome. This is, this turned out well. And then, um, and then further on and at the, at, at the very end, be able to step back and, and, and be proud to share. And, and especially when people get excited about it, um, that, that, I guess that's the emotion uh, that I get. Um, yeah. There, there, there is emotion in, in the creation. Like, man, this is this is cool. This is fun. This is awesome. Uh, when I do that, uh, but not always. Uh, but I guess I guess it's almost the same as as most other projects. Now I'm a, I'm a little bit because I chose this industry, and uh, uh, I feel like. Uh, I've eliminated a lot of the uh, the risk of not being invested. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I had I was I was going to our institute of Dallas and I got a scholarship for uh, for a degree in graphic design. Uh, but if I had to do that now, it'd be so much to be like, oh, this is this is not worth anything. <laughs> Someone's gonna look at this and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, goodbye from the dad or whatever. But um, and I've done I've done logos and logos can be cool, but they don't I don't feel like they they don't bring out uh, for most people like this this sense of awesomeness this uh, or this, this sense of adventure or or anything like that. It's more of oh okay that's a, you know that might be a cool design but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. No one sits in I should say no one but most people don't sit and admire Coca Cola you know label for its artistic. <laughs> qualities uh, it sounds like um forgive me but it sounds like you know you yourself had uh you know a reaction to art when you were younger and when you first got into role-playing games and it sounds like you enjoy the moment when someone else you know sort of shares in that yes definitely uh, when when someone uh i guess when someone basically whether they use the same words or not um they, if they look at an illustration and say, I want to play that, or I want that in my world, or I want that to be my new villain, or you know, uh, even if they don't spend a whole lot of time, uh, you know, staring at it forever, you know, that, that doesn't bother me, but uh, for it to capture a sense of, of wonder, a sense of adventure, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, that's, I guess that's what, uh, that's what I enjoy. So, I mean, Roleplay Rescue, my podcast, is about, you know, bringing people back to the role-playing hobby. Have you got any tips for a person who is, you know, coming back or heading in that trajectory? Uh, so, um, uh, before I even forget that you asked this question, um, <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to say thank you for, for doing your Roleplay Rescue. Um, oh. And uh, part of it really resonated, uh, especially in your early ones, is... Um, you never said it this way, but um, uh, uh, you, you mentioned my, my degree in, in theology, and I, I do uh, I do ministry work uh, as a preacher uh, outside of my illustrations, and I've done training for missionary work and, and so forth. And one of the things that um, I was introduced to was uh, was culture shock um, as far as training for it, preparing for it, and whatever. Because hmm. if you were to go overseas or to a new area um, and were, you know, suddenly plunged into a culture completely different than your own, um, you could you could struggle emotionally. Yeah. And uh, and w- one of the things that they talk about is bringing your cultural anchors. Um, it, you you bring stuff to remind you of who you are. And right. I feel. Feel like many of us connected with role playing when we were young, and, and it and it kind of ingrained on on our our, our minds, on our soul of of, of something that uh, of who we were, and because we've had to grow up, um, uh, we've kind of uh, uh, faced a little bit of culture shock uh, of having to face the world, and and uh, whenever some of us have uh, have left. Um, that cultural anchor behind, um, and so uh, I feel like that's why some of us struggle, and why it so it so strongly resonates when we return to it. Um, mm. And so uh, I, I think that uh, people, I think it's okay to recognize that uh, role playing is a part of your culture, um, uh, and uh, the importance of, of bringing it with you. Not just not necessarily 
location based, but even time based. Uh, and if if this is something that that you know you you've enjoyed, and uh, but suddenly had to uh, maybe not even suddenly, but had to um, put it aside because of whatever pressures there were. You might find some some comfort be able to come and be able to come back to it. Uh, mm. I know that there's more to uh, that thought process, but um, but just uh, you said the, the original question was uh, I had advice for anybody coming back to the system to the game uh, to the hobby. Yeah, uh, so I would say understand that everybody role plays. Everybody does. Um, they might not think they do, but everybody does. Now that's what they love. Whether they love movies, the, the escape into 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 another role, into another character, um, imagining a different scenario than their own, imagine a different world adventure, um, and we all do it as kids, and we learn how to not to. Uh, it's, it's funny the way to do that, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but being able to bring it in a way that um, that it, that resonates with other people. Um, yeah. And I'd even be, I guess, okay with saying um, it's okay to to change in in uh, in what you look for in a in a game. Um, I will say, um, uh, 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 I know I said thank you for uh, uh, for your podcast, and uh, it resonated with me emotionally. Um, and I'm actually looking at doing my first, uh, potentially doing an, an open table. Right. Um, awesome. The uh, I run a Pokemon club for my uh, at the library. Uh, my my boys go club Pokemon, and uh, so I've I've headed up that for a couple of years now. And the uh, team librarian overheard me talking about role playing, and uh, they 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 tried to do it last year and it didn't turn out well uh, because uh, of the approach of the game master. And and uh, but uh, having heard uh, you present the idea of the open table, I know it's not original to you, but um, I'm gonna give you credit for me for me knowing about it. Um, <laughs> but this is a mentality um, of uh, of having a table that anybody can come to. Yeah. Uh, and there are some pl- there are some styles of play that you know you can't just come to it. Uh, and uh, and and you know that's okay. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. That people have different approaches to role playing. And, and how they run games, but uh, if you're going to do something at an open, open forum, then uh, uh, it's going to be something people can come to. It sounds like the appeal there is it kind of being looser format. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, the the appeal of anybody um, can can come and go. Uh, having having a, a world or, or a game running uh, that's not dependent upon a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit like life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, life's going to go on. The, the, the story is going to continue. It's not dependent upon a single person. And, and uh, I guess that's just a different shift of and mentality uh, of how you run the game. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I, I would love to be able to uh, shift um, and introduce them to different games, uh, game systems, and because. Feels like most people will all the only role playing they know about is Dungeons and Dragons, and that's okay. It's okay if that's all they know. Uh, it's not, nothing wrong with that necessarily, but mm. um, I think that that there's plenty of other great games out there that they won't get introduced to if someone doesn't do that. Yeah, I feel like um, I don't know. There's this uh, tension, isn't there, between the success of sort of Wizards of the Coast, you know, Hasbro's Dungeons and Dragons, especially in its fifth edition, and the rest of us. Yes. Because um, it really is the, the industry. It really is that divided, isn't it? In terms of the impact, you've got something like ninety-five percent of sales. I would suggest probably are, you know, D and um, D. In terms of the money that flows around, and uh, maybe in that five, or maybe if we're generous, ten percent. There's just thousands upon thousands of different cool things. Um, so yeah, there's a tension, and uh, it's lovely to sort of. Uh, again, chatting to you as somebody who's, uh, I guess, encouraging that you know the the independent creator. Yeah. Do you feel like um, you, you feel like that's important? I guess you must. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
the so Dungeons and Dragons is a very specific fantasy world, mm. but it's not the only fantasy world. Um, and they've done they've done something to to, to magic to races um, uh, that uh, defines that 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 world. Um, and you know, if I wanted to play in the world of Tolkien, I can't do it in fifth edition. Dragons. I mean, I can I can change things up. I can't do it, but I can't do it in their setting uh, because of what they've done to magic and, and character races and all. And there's nothing necessarily wrong uh, with with their flavor. It's just a different flavor. Um, uh, you know, I love what James Spawn's been doing with uh, the Hero's Journey and and trying to capture um, the world of Tolkien, the, the 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 feel of that world versus simply. Um, giving players more things that they think are going to make them bigger and cooler. Um, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to sound like that's what I'm saying that Dungeon Jack is doing, but there definitely is a very, um, definitely is a feel of trying to give players what they want. Um, and, yeah. and instead of defining, uh, well, I won't go down on the top because I don't know that necessarily what I'm going to say. So, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, because there's so much, there's so much more experience out there it feels like, you know, you, you know, if all you know is is vanilla ice cream, it, it's wonderful, but you don't know about Rocky Road, uh, and so uh, there, there's some. That's the same with with uh, with other other games and other other worlds and other. So, and I, I feel like I've got a limited uh, exposure to it, and so uh, that's why I, that's why I love trying new ones and and, and playing. Uh, different things you know i'd love to uh I, I, there are some that i've heard of that you know i still haven't had a chance to play that i'd, I'd love to set my foot into and, but, but yeah okay i guess we're coming towards the end of our time and i, I just feel it would be remiss of me not to ask the obvious question which is do you have any tips for budding artists so yeah i, I talk about uh, i talk about um your rates i talk about licensing and it feels like there's there's kind of a divide in in artists um who create for for people um mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily want to want to further that divide so i'm not going to try and uh, define who they are but uh, i'll say this one know your rights um know the know what the law gives to you uh by by default and that is when you create an illustration, it is yours. No one else gets to uh, do anything with it without you saying so. If you are paid to illustrate uh, something, that copyright belongs of that illustration uh, belongs to you. The only thing that the other person gets is what they've agreed to ahead of time. Um, and you can take those to some extremes of saying, well, all you did was pay me to create it, and, and so you can't use it. And I think that's just silly. But... Um, hmm. by default, they don't get all rights to, to that illustration, um, that, that, uh, the right to, um, to create prints of that is yours. The right, even the right to use it commercially is, is yours, uh, as a, as a creator. Um, now if you're creating for people who want to use it commercially, I would recommend you have already established that, that price difference. Uh, perhaps in in your in your in your pricing structure, but um, I don't do a whole lot of uh, illustrations for people uh, who aren't using it commercially. So by default, I, I include that. Um, actually, I have, I have a very loose uh, licensing structure where if someone pays me to use it uh, once, they can use it forever. And I'm not saying that necessarily has necessarily has to be anybody's structure, um, but but you should know your rights uh, so that you can. Um, function better as a as a professional, and uh, the reason I say that is that, uh, that there's value in your artwork, and if someone mm. recognizes that enough to want to have all rights, then they should be paying the, the difference because they, if they don't want to see it anywhere else, so they, they don't want anybody else using that that artwork for their for their game, that's value to them. If you could sell, uh, let, let's say, for instance, you created a sculpture and you could market that 
to um, uh, to other uh, stores to sell a copy of that of that uh, sculpture for other people who are putting their homes. Uh, there there is value in that, and to just simply give that away for no additional value is uh, is a uh, uh, well at least understand it that you're giving that away at the very least. Yeah. Uh, a second thing to do is I would say no. Uh, know how long illustration illustrations take on average. Uh, so w- when you create, start start recording how long they, they, they take you to illustrate. So that, and the reason you want to do this is so you can start basing, having something solid to base your, uh, your rates around. Um, because as much as we want to, as much as anybody wants to say, well, you know, we, you know, we don't get paid hourly. We do get paid hourly. Um, it's just it looks different. Um, if I get paid $100, to illustrate something, and I can knock it out in, in an hour. I can't. Uh, but if I could, you know, then I, uh, send, you know, I get paid uh, you know, hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, that's, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but that's how we get paid hourly. And if it takes me longer, then suddenly my hourly rate has, has changed. So if you can figure out what what your hourly rate is going to be um, on average, then then you have something stronger to structure your your pricing around. Um, in addition to that. You need to calculate, and, uh, and, I, and I know artists hate math uh, most of the time, uh, but you need to calculate into your pricing structure. Uh, one, yes, you need to know your hourly rate. So if, if, for, if, if you need to be able to provide for your family, you know, let's say $15 an hour because you're going to work 40 hours a week, um, you need to calculate in that you're not going to be creating artwork that entire 40 hours. Um, yeah. uh, you're, you've got things that you have to do that are the administrative stuff um, uh, that uh, you should guess uh, you're going to spend at least 25% of your week on administrative things uh, uh, like emailing clients uh, of advertising of uh, promoting your work uh, you're going to be doing things um, like taking your breaks uh, you need breaks uh, you also should calculate into um, you should calculate sick days you should calculate in vacation um uh, and all that should, should should tie into your hourly rate, and so that's why when you when you hire freelancers, um, you that they're, they're typically going to be uh, higher than uh, their rates going to be higher than you would if you're going to hire someone hourly, because they have to they have to take all that and and, and put it on themselves. Um, I know that uh, uh, there there's a whole lot in that. Uh, and there's some, some math stuff you got to do in there, but uh, you, you need to do it in order for your health. Um, the other thing is is find a, uh, find a good work balance. It's very easy to spend 60 hours a week uh, or more um, trying to trying to free, freelance. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you need to have uh, some, some solid structures in your life uh, socially, uh, uh, mentally, Health, even physically uh, wise. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know I could go on forever about uh, things to do. Uh, but uh, I would also say um, network, socialize for the um, for the benefit of networking, socializing, not to promote your business. Make friends. Um, hmm. uh, that they'll be the ones to carry you uh, to success. Great, James. Thanks so much for coming on the show and talking to us. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and thank you for giving me a, an insight into, I guess, the, the world of the artist that uh, you know I, I haven't had an appreciation of, I guess. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you, to you about it. Yeah, thanks so, so much. Game on. And that's about that. It's a wrap for another episode. Massive thank you to Jay Shields for coming on the show and, you know, submitting to an interview. Really appreciated that, man. And I really hope that um, listeners out there, you found something good and useful in there. Certainly, I know that I did. Where are we going next? Okay, so I've got more interviews coming. And I'm really, really pleased to say I'm going to be sort of spreading them out over the next couple of weeks. But they are coming. And in between, I will try to put together one or two other episodes as well. So bear with. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to listen. So thank you, um, all of my listeners. 
big, big thank you as ever to my patrons who support me on patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. And yeah, I guess I'm just going to shut up and go away. So uh, my name, my name's Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. 